This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. I want to start out with a little story about um, some estate planning work that we've done. Um, I actually was featured in the Wall Street Journal last summer, which I have to say I was very, very honored to be featured in the journal because that's something that uh, is kind of a, a career highlight. <laughs> but anyway, the the story that I was featured about was two sisters um, who I helped with their estate planning. When I first met these sisters, they had um, accumulated quite a bit of wealth. They had many, many millions of dollars that they had saved over the years. They lived a very frugal lifestyle. And um, these sisters had never been married before. They are very fun, fantastic women. I absolutely have loved working with them. Um, and their plan was that they had a will, and in the will, if one of them died, they'd leave the money to the other sister. And then if both of them had died, they'd leave the money to their brother, who was actually an older brother. Now, the the thing that they didn't realize in their estate planning is that um, the way estate taxes work is that you're going to pay estate taxes if your estate is over a certain level, which there's was, but there's also state taxes for the state of Iowa, which is what they lived in, that are due when you leave money to what's called a non-lineal descendant. And a non-lineal descendant is someone who is not your child or parent. So anybody who goes out like a sibling, aunt and uncle in your family line versus up and down like a parent or a child is a non-lineal descendant. And so what was going to happen with their estate is with when sister one passed away, boom, estate and state taxes. When sister two passed away, boom, estate and state taxes. When their older brother passed away, boom, a third round of state and estate taxes before it gets finally to the brother's kids who are the ultimate beneficiaries of this money. So I was able to work with them and and connect them up with some attorneys who did some really good estate planning with them to help them figure out a way to make sure that the money wasn't taxed three times, that it was only taxed once, and then also to minimize the impact of those taxes. So that's what good estate planning can do. It can minimize the effect of taxes. It can make sure that your money goes exactly where you want your money to go. And it also can help you leave a legacy. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that legacy means. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about what type of legal documents a good estate plan has inside of it. Kelsey, what would you say are the top documents that are necessary for strong estate planning? Mary, there's definitely three. We call them a three-pack here at Stark Financial Services that uh, everyone would want to have in place in order to just, you know, your very basic estate planning. First of all, you need to have a will uh, set up. Most people know what a will is. A financial power of attorney. This is one people often forget about. Uh, this one allows any of your financial professionals or anybody that has an account um, with your name on it to talk to whoever you designate as your financial power of attorney. So uh, let's say uh, I, for some reason, become mentally incapacitated. Until I have this document on file or until a judge uh, sets a, a person or a guardian in a place to handle my affairs for me, 
they are not supposed to talk to anybody about my financial, um, even my bank, even though you know my husband is very uh, well known in our bank, they still are not supposed to talk with it to him unless I have the, one of those two things in place. So a financial power of attorney can make things much, much easier for your uh, uh, family or whoever's taking care of you. Uh, lastly, a healthcare power of attorney. And this is um, something most people do have in place if they have done any kind of estate planning, but you want to make sure that you have it in place and you assign somebody um, to this healthcare power of attorney that's going to make the decisions that you would want made. Um, and that may not always be uh, the first person you think of. You may want to do a little bit of reflecting on this. This person's going to be in charge of you know, all of your healthcare uh, needs. So if you again, are in a situation where you aren't able to make decisions for yourself and someone needs to be making decisions based on your medical care, uh, this is the person that would make that decision, such as, you know, pull the plug, don't pull the plug and, and other uh, scenarios. And I have seen cases where that's not necessarily the spouse because they don't want the spouse to be uh, left to make all those decisions by themselves. Um, and they may be assigned another family member. So. so the three documents are making sure you have a will in place, a financial power of attorney, and a healthcare power of attorney. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about estate taxes for a minute. Um, some people who are listening to this are going to have an estate tax situation, and some may not. But in 2016, if you have an estate that's over $5,450,000, then you're going to be looking at a federal estate tax situation. Now, I realize that might not be the situation that you're in, um, but again, there might be some state taxes, especially if you're leaving money to your non-lineal descendants. One of the things that we have to give away today is um, a book. Um, so the first five callers that call in, we're going to give away this book. It's called The Ultimate Gift by Jim Stovall. And it is um, a book about the power of what an inheritance can do in somebody's life. So I think we've all heard situations about how when you leave money to somebody that, especially if it's a younger kid, it kind of can wreck the kid. Oh, I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it can kind of take away all motivation to work. It can kill their work ethic. It can kill their personal sense of um, pride in a job well done and turn someone into a giant attitude of entitlement. So what I love about this book, and I, I use this with a lot of my estate planning clients, is it helps people understand the impact of money and, and what somebody's thought patterns are when they inherit money. So I have five copies of this book. If you'd like to call in to us, we have operators standing by 24 hours a day. You can call 605-217-3555. And the first uh, five people that call in, we will give away this book called The Ultimate Gift. Um, all right. So the reason that I'm, I'm so tied in and passionate about this subject is because I think it's really important that within estate planning, you're thinking about the impact of what you leave behind. Okay. And the impact of what you leave behind is what we would call your legacy. And your legacy can really be made up of more than one thing. A legacy can be the personal impact that you've left in this world. It can be the financial impact that you leave on people that you leave behind. It can also be the impact that you leave on charitable organizations that you might have either spent time and talent within or are leaving a financial gift to. But the bottom line is there is a legacy that we all leave in this world. And I think that it's incredibly important to be mindful about what you want your legacy to be. 
Now, when you're considering that legacy and tying it into your estate plan, that's where I think a book like this ultimate gift can come in to be a little eye-opening. So whether you're leaving a billion dollars or you're leaving $10,000 to someone or a charity or a foundation or something like that, it's important to think about what you really want that lasting impact to be. Um, especially for minor children. So let me kind of give you an example of, of minor children ideas. In my personal will, I have it set up that I don't want my kids to inherit all of the money when I die because I want my kids to have to learn how to work, how to take care of themselves and make sure that they are contributing members of society and that they are thriving themselves as human beings, not just carrying on because they inherited some of mommy's money. Wouldn't you agree, Kelsey? I would absolutely agree. That's what I would want for my children as well. Yeah. So here's how I have my will set up. When I die, if I was to die today, there would be money there to pay for a portion of my children's education. Not even all of it. It'd be there to pay for a portion of it because I think that when you send kids to school, it's a great idea to have them have some skin in the game. And if they have to cover some of the costs and I'm happy to cover some of the costs, I think that's a winning combination. So in my will, it says that if I die, there's money set aside to help cover some of their college education. Then they can have a third of what they get when they're 25. They can have a third of what they get when they're 30. And they can have a third of what they're going to get when they're 35. So spreading it out over several, several years. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that that first chunk they get when they're 25, they're still going to blow it. (laughs) I think I might have blown it when I was 25. There's so many shiny things to buy. (laughs) Exactly. Hot cars, vacations. So anyway, um, I, I guess that what I hope they learn by blowing that money is a lesson that they maybe don't want to do that again. Because once it runs out, they'll be like, oh, maybe I wish I wouldn't have quite done it that way. I also think that by the time they're 30, I'm hopeful that maybe they have kids, that maybe they are uh, needing to uh, have money to put down on a house, something like that. But maybe they've developed or matured into young adults who um, are more financially mature. And then by the time they're 35, if they were really silly and blew the first two chunks that they got, hopefully they've learned a lesson. But by the time they're 35, I'm hoping that they've learned enough life lessons that they're smart about what they do with that last third and that they use it to help them set themselves up for long-term goals like retirement, things like that. So that is one of the things that you can do within your estate planning to keep your legacy intact over time, especially if it's going to kids. Now you can also do that with your grandkids. You can put provisions in your will for your grandsons. I have a four-year-old grandson, and if something happens to his mama, I want that money to go to him. And again, it would flow out to him in the same way. There'd be money to take care of him while he was young and then progress out that way. Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists for six years running, including 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and 2023 Forbes Top Women Wealth Advisors Best in State, number one in South Dakota. I just want to let everybody know that we have a retirement readiness seminar coming up on March 22nd. You can register at sterkfinancialservices.com or call into our office and register. We'll be talking about a lot of retirement readiness type of topics, but we'll also be covering basic estate planning in that. So 
Okay, let's talk a little bit about this beneficiary guide that I mentioned. This guide is something that Kelsey and I have worked to put together. Kelsey, what do you what would you say this guide is comprised of? Mary, this guide is a giant gift to any person's beneficiaries. And, you know, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, as I've seen um, growing up, some family members that didn't have all their estate planning in place. And I've seen the divide that it can cause in a family. Uh, if the, the deceased person's intentions were not clearly written, not clearly understood, and everybody has a different opinion of what should happen for their loved one. So this book is is amazing. It's something that I recommend everybody, no matter how young or how old you are, should complete. Um, it's going to help you identify, you know, things that are important to you and things that you would like to see happen. It's also going to give some guidance to whoever is going to be taking care of your uh, final wishes for you. You know, I know in my household, I uh, surprisingly handle all the finances. <laughs> um, I know that's a shocker, but and my husband might not know exactly where to find things or who to talk to, and so that that's one of the things in this book is, um, you know. Where are all of your accounts at and who should they talk to and who's who's somebody that you've trusted in setting up all of your affairs that you want your spouse or your children or whoever, again, who's going to take care of your uh, final wishes for you? Who are the people you trusted and you want to point your uh, beneficiaries to to help them through this time? Kelsey, one of the things that we hear all the time when someone has passed away is that beneficiaries are having trouble locating data. So, you know, in this booklet, we've got resources to say, here's where to find my computer password so you can get onto my computer and figure out stuff you need to know. And we also have in here things like, here's where my safe deposit key is located. Because you might have it under, you know, in the, the shoe that's hidden in the back of the closet in the upstairs hallway. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to find that, but they're going to be spending time looking for the safe deposit key. So giving people some instructions on simple things things like that that you don't think about is really important from an estate planning side. Yeah. It also talks about in this book, uh, you know, funeral arrangements. What, what do you want your funeral to be like? And there's the, the standard traditional funeral that maybe we've been around, but not everybody necessarily wants that. They maybe have some kind of special wish. They have some certain person. They want to be a pallbearer. They want, in my grandmother's case, she wanted my sisters and I to sing at her funeral. And, and we all knew that, but that was pretty much all we knew about what she wanted for her funeral. So this would have been very handy at the time. Um, it, it gives instructions such as who to contact. And I know that that's one that I, I think is really a special piece of this. Uh, you may not realize how important somebody was in, in your loved one's life if you never had that conversation. And it gives them the chance to say, please contact these people. Um, they're people I want to hear firsthand and not just from the obituary report in the newspaper. One of the things, too, that I think is great about having a resource like this is the fact that if you have passed away, your loved ones are grieving. And it's, it's really hard to write somebody's obituary, even on a good day. But when you combine with trying to do justice to somebody's life within their obituary and you're uh, doing it at a time where you're grieving the loss of that person, it's a really um, difficult experience for people. So that's why we consider this beneficiary guide to be a just a really big gift to your family that if you fill this out and let them know where to find that, that, that it can help them along with that journey. So give us a call. 
605-217-3555, or you can go online at starkfinancialservices.com, and you can request a copy of this free beneficiary guide. Be happy to email or mail it to you, and uh, something that you can use to help get your own estate planning ducks in a row. I want to move now to talk about how life insurance plays a part in estate planning. So, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what age you are, but life insurance might be an important piece of your estate planning puzzle. There's really three phases that we go through in life when it comes to life insurance planning. So, Kelsey, tell us a little bit briefly about those three phases. Sure. So phase one is, is really when you're younger, you're just getting started in life, maybe just started uh, your family. And there's two goals with that. One, protecting against the loss of an income of the person who passed away. So if the, um, the husband or the wife passes away and they were a major breadwinner in the family, uh, they might have... Um, there's definitely going to be a need to replace that income. On the flip side, if the other person was the primary caregiver to children, there's going to be increased expenses to help then continue to provide that care to the children while the other spouse is is working in their career. So really, phase one is about widows and children. Widows and children, Mm -hmm. exactly. And uh, part of that also is paying down any... uh, serious debt that you have and taking that burden off of the survivors. Phase two is a secure to help secure the spouse in retirement. So, uh, you and your spouse have worked your whole lives to create a very comfortable retirement, to spend it the way that you want. And something unfortunate happens to one of you. You want to make sure that you've secured that spouse through the rest of their retirement because they may not have enough years left to make up for, um, the loss of your income. The last part is legacy, and that's deciding, you know, what is that? We've been talking about legacy. What do you want to leave for legacy is part of that financial. Who should those beneficiaries be on that life insurance? And there's a lot of work that can go into the legacy phase of uh, insurance. One of the nice things about using life insurance to leave your legacy is that you can kind of guarantee that there's a specific pool of dollars that you're leaving, whether it's to your family or to a charity. Um, and then from a retirement standpoint, it allows you to use your retirement accounts to fund your own life and not have to worry about leaving retirement money down to your kids. Now, we do have a seminar coming up, Retirement Readiness, on March 22nd. We'd love you to come. You can register online at sterkfinancialservices.com or call in. Um, but but that, uh, that life insurance planning is a huge part of estate planning, and understanding what phase you're in really is going to help you determine how you want to utilize life insurance in your planning. You know, another thing I want to touch on briefly is trust documents. So we get a lot of questions about what the heck is a trust? You know, how do they work? What does it even mean? There's a lot to know about trusts, and there's a number of different types of trust that you can have, but I'm going to talk real briefly about two of them. The first kind is what's called a revocable living trust. Revocable means you can change it. Living means that it's something that you create while you're alive. Okay? It's kind of like an alter ego. Like I have a Mary Stirk revocable trust, and it's the same thing as if Mary Stirk personally owned it, but it's owned inside this trust. And then when I die, whatever that trust says is supposed to happen with my stuff is what's going to happen. 
The other thing a revocable trust do is that it avoids probate. So if I die without a trust, everything is public knowledge because it goes through the court system through probate. But if I die and I have a trust and things are owned by a trust, that passes outside of probate. So number one, it stays private. And number two, it avoids the cost of probate. So it does save significant dollars for your family to not have to probate things within a will. The second type of trust is an irrevocable trust. And an irrevocable trust means that you can't change it once it's set up. Um, An irrevocable trust typically is used in estate planning to have large life insurance owned by the irrevocable trust to cover estate taxes when both spouses have passed away. Um, They are commonly used for that. They are not commonly used for very much else. The only other time I really see irrevocable trusts used are if people have maybe a special needs child or they have someone that they um, they want to be able to leave money to that the rules can't be changed once they're gone. So the most common type is that first revocable living trust that we talked about. Um, the last type of trust is one that you can set up in your will. So I kind of spoke earlier about how I have my will set up where it passes money out over time to my kids. The way that you do that inside your will is by saying, you know, if I die, I want a trust to be established. And that's called a testamentary trust. So those are some estate planning basics. We'd love for you to give us a call and get your free beneficiary guide. And again, the first five callers will get the ultimate gift book from us. Call us at 605-217-3555 or go online at sterkfinancialservices.com. And don't forget to join us for our retirement readiness seminar coming up March 22nd. Thanks, and for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice you should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. Rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.